your waiata, what's it about? It's just about letting people know that when you get um, to the lowest of your lows in your life, that uh, it's just a message that um, I'm here to help you. Uh, I can help you get out of that situation and um, there is a way. Because when you're in that situation, and I have been there, when you're in that situation, you feel like there's no way. So I just hope that through this waiata that I can help others. We've lost um, four of our family members to suicide and um, my sister was one of them and three of my cousins. But um, in our whānau, Kazi is just a title. We're brothers and sisters. And just recently, three weeks ago, we lost our sister. And so we're here, me and my auntie, me and my auntie Marlene Grace, to um, hopefully get some knowledge and some sort of healing so we can take it back home to our whānau. E aku rauranga tira mā, nau mai haramai ki tēnei o ngā kaupapa. This is Te Ahikā. Ko te nako o te kōrero e heke mai nei, coming up part two of the series Turn in the Tide on Suicide. We hear from people who are working towards the same goal, reducing and addressing suicide issues in their line of work. Hayley Grace Hollis has learned from personal experience the impact suicide has upon the whānau. Through all her grief, her and her family from Ruatoria attended the World Indigenous Suicide Conference. She performed one of her songs called Dedicated, and she is using what she knows to empower young people. I'm from um, Ruatoria, born and raised in Tuparo how we can prevent suicide or what are some of the tools that will help us. From a young person's perspective, what do you think that is? Well, from my perspective, I just think that you need to be able to talk to them on their level and not the professional level because that's just a piece of paper with with boxes that you tick and really you're not getting deep enough to understand where where we're coming from as youth and... And it gets quite hoha for us, us as youth when we're getting, because I was I was passed around to a to a Bernardo's to a to somebody else just to call it all about it, and they weren't actually helping me. I wasn't actually getting anywhere. I was just telling my story. What have you learnt from this gathering? Um, we've actually learned quite a bit. Joe Williams called it all that he had yesterday. That was hit the spot right there. You know, we're, we're, we're all so busy up and, and we have to put a face on that, that we're this person, but really behind closed doors we're struggling and we're going through, um, through a lot. But, and just, just knowing and being able to talk about it. And, um, and if, if I, like say, for, my, for example, if I can't help my whanau, um, don't stop there. Maybe go and get somebody else in. And, and, and try and get them to help out our whānau. Don't just, don't give up. Colin Tare is part of Haley's family. As a truancy officer, he deals with young people more than most. He says suicide is not just about young people. He has seen it affect families in his work and personal life. One of our um, cousins has lost three children to suicide 
and uh, two two of them, the last two, were in a short space of time. So um, it's quite a quite a, a real hard time for the Fano. There is a um, there's a, um, a community group in in Gisborne, well, Kapai Kaiti. And it's about bettering our, our suburb. And Kaiti is highly populated with with um, with our our Māori people. And so um, we we wanted to make our suburb a better place to live. And so that's why Kapai Kaiti um, came about. It was the coordinator of that um, of, of the the Kapai Kaiti group that um, offered to send a couple of the family members to to the conference. The conference yep. here, yes. And um, we, at first, we thought it, we thought maybe not because you know it's still too raw. But um, we spoke with the Fano, and they said yes. So, um, Mum has come, and and a cousin. So it's been a very very um, hard thing for the family, having to lose, you know, that many children. The community of Kaiti is it talking about this? So what's happened is that Tuta. Tutangarimu, who is the um, coordinator, and his wife Kaylee, they ended up doing a, running a concert, and um, and they formed a group called Ngati for Life. So, the concert actually comes under that name, and it's um, and it's made up of um, families, or the organising of it is made up of families who have actually had lost loved ones through suicide. They had, um, I think they've done two concerts. So last year there was the first, and they, they held, held that in Rotorua, uh, sorry, not, not Rotorua, Ruatoria. And the second one was in Gisborne. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a real powerful time. The concert is about promoting that awareness. Yes, promoting the awareness. Um, some people thought it might be glorifying, you know, suicide and that kind of thing, but no, not at all. What they want to do is just make people aware of how um, how tragic it is, and also how common it's becoming. You know, uh, we're losing a lot of whānau. and in my work, I mean, I, I see I see it's not just young people, but it's adults. It's even our pakeke. Um, it's not just with our rangatai. In Gisborne, we've had a, um, a few adults that have. You know, have have committed suicide as well, and the effects on the family, on the kids. Oftentimes, it's it's parents having to deal with the grief and and the tragedy of losing their children. Um, for some, it's uh, it's children having to deal with the grief and the tragedy of losing the parent. In my mahi, it's trying to support the whānau, You know, because my job is to get them back into education, but. When you when you're having to face that, I mean, for me, I think, oh, man, that's the last thing on their mind is to go to school. And so, you know, I think uh, as a as a truant officer, your first thing to do is to support them. I know from for me as a Maori, you know, grief is something that's it's it's um, it's ongoing and it it takes time. You know, we're having to face those kinds of. Um, of issues, you know, around, well, you know, what do we do? And, and, and I mean, I always go back to, I always go back to my tikanga, you know, and and, and, be, and who I am as a Māori, and, you know, manaki and aroha always come first. As a truancy officer in Gisborne, Colin says that part of his work is that whakawhanaungatanga, or family, approach. 
you know, support the whānau to, you know, encourage their tamariki back to school, but it's also em- encouraging the rangatai and empowering them. So gone are the days where you have a truant officer knocking on the door, guns blazing, <laughs> knock, threats, knock, knock. threatening and that kind of thing. Our job is now around supporting whānau and supporting tamariki, empowering them. So, um, you know, you're, you know, it's telling them, hey, your life is just starting Every opportunity is right there for you, you know, and, and all you have to do is put the work in and make the effort. Well, you know, our, our kōrero to our, our rangatai is, you know, dream, dream, dream big, dream dreams. You know, don't just think about what you, you know, and, and for rangatai, that's what they do, they think about now. And so, you know, our encouragement is to not think about now, think about, you know, tomorrow. Colin Tari, thank you so much for your kōrero. Nā mihi kia koe, and um, of course, aroha nui ki tō whānau. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you. Check it out. One, two. Hey yo, hey yo, I came a long way since back in the day From a teenager trying to make it rap in this way Ever since I was a kid I had something to say Rockin' mics was a dream I didn't care about pay I sacrificed... Nā hihi o Bidwa went from the classroom to boardrooms in his career as a teacher and then as a motivational speaker He encourages leadership and wrote a handbook of sorts about it called Ancient Wisdom, Modern Solution the book is mostly about his life, but it also offers up the readers a few tidbits on the characteristics of a leader and how to follow your life goals. In the book, Ngahihi Otera talks about going through an identity crisis. Admittedly, he turned his back on te ao Māori, but later on in life, he made a choice to embrace his culture, learn te reo Māori and head back home to Oaho. In fact, sometimes he jokes that he has an MBA, it stands for Māori Boy from Oahu. How we think is important to who we become, and how important is that to us as leaders in suicide prevention? And I'm not just talking about kids. In the corporate world that I walk in, a lot of farmers are committing suicide. There are people who we think would be okay, but you know what? They're not. And a part of leadership in our roles is to step into the gap where no one else will. However, in order for us to do that, we need to see something, a reflection of ourselves in the mirror. As leaders, we need people around us who are better than ourselves, who are like my nanny Remy, who will always see this picture of us as well. So who is your nanny Remy? Who's that one person in your life, in your leadership life, that you can go to at any time? And do you think you can? In his 20s, Ngahihi Otera worked for a multinational oil company. A year later, he and his wife studied at Bible College. Soon after, spurred on by his whānau, he went to study at Teachers Training College and became a secondary school teacher in Palmerston North. Today, Ngahihi is a teacher, entrepreneur, father and international motivational speaker and sometimes helicopter tourism guide. He shared his story at the World Indigenous Suicide Conference. Oh, ngā mihi nui ake nei ki a koutou katoa i te taha tōku pāpā no Ngāti Rangi Wewahi, Ngāti Rangi me Ngāti Rangi Nui ahau ko Tommy Bidwa tōku pāpā, i te taha o tōku māmā no Ngāti Tahu Ngāti Whāua ko Doreen Tanirau. Ia hewa anō i mate ia i te tau kotahi manau i wera u waru tikau mā toru. Uh, ko au 
te tuakana o tōna whānau. My career has been with secondary school, tertiary education before starting my businesses as a professional speaker. And for me it's it's about making a difference, a positive difference with people's lives or in people's lives and sharing our ancient wisdom from our Māori culture with them as modern day solutions for what they do. And my main area is talking around leadership and helping leaders in various sectors from education through to corporate with their leadership. Research shows that most Māori who go to university have one significant person behind them. And it also shows that that one significant person is usually a grandparent. And for me, my grandparent was my nanny Rini, who took me in, who whangaied me really, at a late age. And she said, I'll take you on moko with one condition, and that's you go back to school and finish your secondary school learning. They started a scholarship called Tutangata, and my my nanny said, oh, why don't you go for that? So put my hand up, and that was my first degree. And so for me, it's about honouring how she, she passed since then, but honouring our tūpuna, honouring our kuia, honouring our kaumātua, our pākeke who are there with their wisdom and who impart that to us and just love us, you know. Set an example for us, I guess, on how we should love our kids as well, just totally unconditionally. And she said, nā te whakaaro ka ora te tangata. Yeah, she, she helped me through so many ways, and that was one of the Māori proverbs she said was Ngāti Whakaaro Ka Ora Te Tangata. Which means? The mind, sorry, the thought creates the person. And she would hug me and say, and say, you know what, Moko, it doesn't matter what anyone else says about you. The most important thing is what you think about yourself. Yeah, the ta moko I see as a gift from our ancestors. And one of the reasons I received this gift was, well, I realized my goals to become Māori. And I thought, if I one day receive a tāmoko, then I would have ticked off a lot of the other aspects, such as fluency in te reo, knowing tikanga, and manakitanga, aroha, all of those values of our people. And so for me, when I became an international speaker, it was just a part of the the path, who would I hate that they, I believe our ancestors opened up for me and, and continue to open up. I start all of my presentations by welcoming not only Te Atua, but also our tūpuna, because I know they always travel with us and are, are there with us to help us through many things, you know. My tāmoko, someone said, what if you don't get a job because you've got a tāmoko? And I said, my reply to them was, well, if I don't get a job because I've got a tāmoko, then I'm not going to want to work there anyway. And in fact, well, yeah, and that's what you, of course, talked about in your keynote speech. What do you hope to take away from these three days or from this event? Oh, I've taken away so much already. You know, just last evening at the gala dinner function, I sat with a mother who lost her daughter three weeks ago. And so to sit with that whānau and just listen and be a part of their evening was just so humbling and to realize I guess you know I have two wonderful children and they are just going from strength to strength but to realize how blessed we are and how how grateful I am for the journey that I'm on and the things that have happened in my life when I consider what other people go through 
And so for me to to be here is just a real honour to be able to support people like that. Where are you? Where are you based? Where do you call Rotorua. home? You're, yep. So you're back yep. home. Back home. And, yeah. Uh, so one of my qualifications is a self-appointed MBA. So Māori boy from Oahu. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ngāti rangi uuhi. Yeah. <laughs> and you fly helicopters? What do you oh, know? I, I've, I'm a host, really. So one of the businesses we have is hosting people on helicopters. And my wife, my wife has said, why don't you learn to fly? I said, no, that's a distraction. But no, it's um, about helping VIPs. And once again, opening our world to them and helping them to see who we are as an Indigenous people. And the VIPs I fly with are millionaires, billionaires, and they just highly appreciate any insights they can have into any indigenous culture anywhere in the world. People think that Māori living offshore are somehow disconnected from their culture. I'd love to say to everybody that we're not. Uh, And in fact, what we do is we have a great time celebrating our culture um, even though I was Australia's representative to the United Nations Global Compact, I always used to tell people, I'm from Matakana Island. And then they'd say, where's Matakana Island? And I'd say, I'll show you. Let's celebrate our language. Let's celebrate the mahi that we do. You know, let's just be fundamentally proud of who we are. We're confident of telling stories because we laugh all the time. Let's be confident in our culture. Matthew Tukaki is an entrepreneur and a savvy businessman. He's also a self-confessed disruptor. For him, however, it's about addressing issues in a different way. He's held a number of chairmanships and founded EntreHub, an online site for small business owners and startup businesses. As the chair of the Australia National Coalition for Suicide Prevention, Matthew supports cultural exchanges and information sharing. So I originally came to New Zealand about three months ago. Um, I thought that we could learn some really good things about what was happening in New Zealand and we could take that back to Australia and say, hey, look, this program might work here. Uh, And that's because I've always had a, um, a sense that New Zealand is generally ahead of the innovation curve when it comes to social issues, much more advanced, much more creative. Uh, And what I found, to be honest, um, I was disappointed. Uh, And disappointed because I started to hear in towns and cities across New Zealand and communities, both uh, Pākehā, Māori, whoever, um, that we had a big problem when it came to, in particular, young people um, ending their lives through suicide. So that's why I'm at the conference now. I'm at the conference to share what we're doing in Australia with a New Zealand audience. Um, And then, more importantly, um, tell Māori people, Indigenous people, that they're not alone in this fight. What's happening with Māori in New Zealand is no different to the challenges that are being faced by Aboriginal Indigenous people in Australia, um, our Canadian brothers and sisters in places like Saskatchewan. We're all facing the same challenges, whether they be social and economic. So my message to everybody here at the conference is um, don't go alone, we can go together. Yesterday I launched a new global initiative um, called the Indigenous Knowledge Exchange Network, which is going to be an online platform where Indigenous people can share their stories. So if you come to a conference like this, there's a couple of hundred people in the room, and so only a couple of hundred people get to hear the story. What we wanted to do is create a platform where those stories could go international. So when you compare, say, Australian culture, you've been there for 16 years, versus your own culture back Mm. here in Aotearoa, what are those differences 
Let's not start with the differences. Let's let's talk about some of the positive things that we have in common, but we have never explored because we just the things that we do every day, but we don't see them as a as a skill. And the skill that's common through all Indigenous people is the art of storytelling. Uh, Māori are fantastic storytellers, whether it's your aunties around a table playing euchre on far too many rums, <laughs> taking each other's money, and the laughter that comes from that table. I remember growing up, and all I wanted to do was be a part of that table. The same with Aboriginal people. They tell stories. That's, what, that's how their history has been handed down 40,000 years. So what does the art of storytelling telling mean? Stories inspire people. Stories empower people. So why don't we harness that common thread through Indigenous indigeneity uh, and harness the power of storytelling? So the, in terms of suicide prevention, let's hear the inspiring stories of people who have turned their lives around. Um, the people who have failed, but you know what? I learned some lessons from that failure, and I'm back again. And by the way, there's, there's, it's a beautiful thing to fail if you learn lessons from it and move on in life. So that's the common thread that we've got, and I think the other things that we need to, we need to explore. Matthew Tukaki also works closely with the Aboriginal community in Redfern, Sydney. I, I do a lot of work with an organisation in Redfern that I love um, called Babana Aboriginal, um, a men's group that has no government funding whatsoever and do all they can do to not only empower their people but find jobs for them, help them, support them, do whatever they can. Um, I think Aboriginal people in Australia um, have taken a different journey than we have. Māori have been very lucky, even though we still have our problems and challenges. In Australia, the, there isn't... There isn't so much an underbelly of racism, that racism is obvious. Uh, and the fact that our first Australians are still experiencing the highest incarceration rates per head of population, uh, infant mortality rates, suicide rates, um, long-term unemployed rates. Uh, and yet for 39,000 plus years before that, they were in command of their own destiny. It's interesting that we had an experience um, recently where uh, we were running a, uh, a big event in Redfern to celebrate um, uh, coloured diggers, we call them, and it was to celebrate Indigenous men and women who had served in, in the wars, but had never been, they, they weren't recognised really until this last decade. Uh, and a lot of people in New Zealand don't understand this. Aboriginal people were still considered in the Constitution up until 1967 as being flora and fauna. Um, anyway, so uh, this organisation, this institution, government institution, um, uh, said that they were no longer going to fund um, this, this inspirational march uh, and uh, thank you very much for coming. We turned around and said, well, no, that's not right. You've given $2.5 million to the Chinese New Year fireworks. We've asked the $5,000 to help provide seating and toilets for our elder people. Uh, and they finally came around, but then, of course, what happened next minute, um, they started getting these people to fill out nine application forms to use their own land. Now, this is an organisation that acknowledges them as the uh, custodians of the land, and then what happens next minute is they come back and say, now you've got to fill out an application form for permission to use your land. Can you share any other part of your keynote speech that you gave, uh, was it yesterday? Disruption. I'm a big fan of disruption. Now, not disruption in the sense that you go into something and you just want to cause trouble. No, disruption in terms of let's look at something differently. Everything that we've been doing in suicide prevention mostly, if it was working, we wouldn't be at this conference. We wouldn't be losing the people that we love. So we've got to try new things and we've got to be open-minded about that. Disruption is all about disrupting our conventional thinking.
let's have a look at this in terms of how do I want to build the next iPhone? <laughs> I want to build the next iPhone because all I need to do is innovate on a pre-existing idea. You know what I mean? So, so disruption is really key. The second thing is that it's okay to ask for help. Uh, whether you're an organisation struggling to get a job done or an individual looking for help and guidance and support, um, I'm a big, rather large Māori fella. Um, people will tell you that I'm quite blunt in business and fairly unemotional, and it's true, yeah. but I do know when I need to ask for help. I would not have got to where I am in my career if I thought that there was an I in team. Uh, I went to uh, Marae, um last night, um, and when I did that for the whole lot of young people who were attending the conference, when I did that, I, they thought I was going to go and talk to them. I wasn't interested in talking to them. I'll give them two minutes. I'll tell them what I've done for a living. No, tell me your stories. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you think we could build a better society because you know what, chances are I'll be dead in 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, you guys will be in decision-making leadership positions as I am today. So why don't we just cut through that 20, 25-year journey and hear your ideas now. And were they open to that? Oh, absolutely. The ideas keep flowing out anywhere you go. See, this is the problem, even though I'm talking now <laughs> and I do enjoy talking, um, we've got to stop doing as much talking as we do and start opening our ears and doing a bit of listening. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I speak with kids who have gone to see counsellors and the counsellor always does all the talking. <laughs> it's not all counsellors, of course, but some. So I think we just need to trust that our young people actually do know a lot more at their age than when we were 15 or 16 or 14 or 13. You know, we didn't have iPads when we were growing exactly. up as kids. Facebook. These kids have access to a bigger world. They've got access 24 by 7. We didn't. They're much more intelligent than we are. So let's go with that.